You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Hello, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and today is Veterans Day, a day we recognize and celebrate our U.S. veterans. You know, our military veterans, many gave their lives in service to our country and our freedoms, and of course, they were all willing to give their lives in their sacrifice to our country. More than 41 million Americans have served over the course of this nation's history. More than 16 million did so in World War II alone. However, more than 81,000 Americans remain missing from World War II, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the Cold War, and the Gulf Wars and other conflicts. Our guest today is Derek Abbey. Derek is the president and CEO of Project Recover. Project Recover is a collaborative effort to enlist 21st century science and technology in a quest to find and repatriate Americans missing in action. Derek's academic research and his post-military career have focused on connecting veterans with college opportunities. He began as Project Recover team member in 2004 and spent five years on the board of directors before being appointed as president and CEO. Good morning, Derek. Welcome to More Living. It's great to have you with us. Good morning, Jim. It's my pleasure to join you today. Well, it's uh, what a great organization. Um, first, let's talk. Well, first, I want to thank. I want to say Happy Veterans Day to you, Derek, and thank you for your service. Uh, I truly appreciate it. It's a very special day to come together and uh, acknowledge our warrior spirit as a collective and those that manifest it on our behalf. Now, you're a Marine Corps veteran. Uh, How did you start your military career, and where did you serve? So um, when I was a young kid growing up in the Pacific Northwest, raised by a single mom who didn't graduate high school and unexpectedly passed away when I was 13, so I was a a young man without a rudder or sail, and so when I was 17, I, um, I like to say I ran away to the Marine Corps, and it was exactly what I needed in that moment. As a barely 18-year-old, I needed some structure, some discipline, and a system that I could succeed in, and, and I found all of that in the Marine Corps, and they really shaped me into who I am today. I wasn't expecting that it would turn into a 23-year career. That's what it did. I, I spent 23 years in the Marine Corps, both as an enlisted Marine and an officer on both the ground side. and um, the air side, and I like to say I got a lot out of the Marine Corps, and they certainly got a lot out of me. Wow, 23 years, you said, in the Marine Corps? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Wow, well, thank you again. Um, You know, I have a couple of dear, dear friends that are Marines. Well, you know, you can't say we're Marines. They are Marines. (laughs) Once a Marine, always a Marine, right? Yeah, that's very, very (laughs) true, and that was 
Uh, yesterday was the Marine Corps birthday. We saw it in spades across the nation, that's for sure. Yes, that's great. <laughs> now, you've been with Project Recover since 2004. Let's start with the mission of this great organization. Yeah, we, we focus on you know finding, locating, and ultimately repatriating Americans missing in action. As a non-government organization, we're the only non-government organization out there that is fully vertical, and what that means is we do proactive research, search missions, uh, documentation of sites, as well as recovery in both the underwater and the terrestrial environment. Um, the organization has been around in some capacity for 30 years, and I've been uh, lucky to be a part of it for two decades, um, and, and our mission continues to grow and scale. We started as just doing one mission a year, all self-funded to the country of Palau in the South Pacific, where some pretty intense fighting happened during World War II. Today, where we're doing multiple missions a year all over the world across all conflicts, as you stated in your introduction. So your start to finish, you you did from the research all the way through to the uh, to the search mission, your start to finish, pretty much. Yeah, the only thing that we don't do in the process is the official blind identification, which is restricted by Title Ten to the Department of Defense. But we bring all of those remains sure. home at that point where. We're about 99% sure, but of course we're going to be 100% sure before any notification or anything goes out. And so um, when the remains are brought home and any artifacts that can assist with the identification, uh, they go to a lab in either Hawaii or Nebraska that's run by the Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency, DPAA, and they'll do the blind identification in one of those before they move forward with the notification with the family. Derek, uh, Pat Scannon, the Project Recover founder, talk a little bit about the birth of Project Recover in its early days and how it um, really was started and started growing. Yeah, Pat was working with another group of um, divers and explorers, and, and they were actually in Palau searching for a Japanese trawler that was sunk during World War II, and it had a pretty interesting story because it was sunk by a young ensign named George Herbert Walker Bush, who, as we know, would go on to become president of the United States. And so um, there were rumors that were going around that the trawler was not armed. And um, so this team went out to go see if they could find it. Um, they found it very, very quickly um, on the ocean floor. And it was still armed, just sitting on the ocean floor. And because they found it so quickly, Pat found himself with some extra time. And, and Palau is a world-class dive destination. But instead of going on more scuba dives, he hired a guide, and him and his wife asked the guide to take them to some World War II sites or wreckage or things like that. And one of the places that the uh, guide took him to was a large wing in very, very shallow water. And, and Pat relatively quickly identified it as an American wing, a B-24 wing. Um, and it was often off, obvious excuse me, that something um, tragic had happened to this aircraft. And so Pat asked the guide, you know, what happened to the aircraft and what happened to the crew? And uh, unfortunately, the guy didn't have the answers to that, and so Pat took it upon himself to start investigating what happened to this crash site, and in the process, realized that there were hundreds of losses and hundreds of service members still missing in and around Palau, and so he took it upon himself to start going back to Palau and um, searching for these sites, searching the jungles and the waters, and relatively quickly realized that this probably isn't the safest mission to be doing by yourself, and so he started to gather like-minded individuals to join him on these missions, and he created what at the time was called the Bent Prop Project. And that's one, shortly after that was when I became involved in the organization, and we would do one mission a year, as I mentioned, to, to the nation of Palau, and um, 
search the jungles and the waters, and, you know, we would just use all the expertise and capabilities that we had um, to advance the mission, not expecting it would turn into what it is today. But that's that's the roots of the organization. Yeah, and you know what? seems like God's providence because uh, I know as a boy he had spent hours building model airplanes. And so he, it yeah. was my understanding, and he immediately knew that it was a B-24. I mean, that's just yeah. that's just a great story. Yeah, he grew up... Um, you know, son of a soldier, um, living in Germany and, and fascinated with um, the army and, and the military. And so, yeah, he would build those build those planes, and that's how he quickly was able to identify it. And Pat is still very much involved in our organization today. I spent, have spent hours and hours, if not actually days and days, with Pat um, in the water and in the jungles all over the world. Do the, Derek, do the mission's recovery efforts, you mentioned you're extremely vertical, almost entirely start to finish, except for the last uh, identification. Talk about, though, does it require a lot of collaboration with organizations and other governments? Yes. Um, and, and in 2012, um, just serendipity um, stepped in, and, and by chance we, we connected with Scripps Institution of Oceanography and the University of Delaware, who were in Palau doing other work uh, related to oceanography. And they had these really amazing tools called automated underwater vehicles that carry side scan sonars and can map the ocean floor. And, and so we we ran into them and kind of asked what they were doing. They asked what we were doing and quickly realized that if we work together, we could advance each other's mission. And so um, Scripps Institution of Oceanography and the University of Delaware are two of our primary partners. And they have really advanced our mission into the future. Um, we can, especially underwater, search a lot more quickly, a lot more safely. Um, and we've had an incredible amount of success in working with them. Um, and with that, we've also brought in partners through Legion Undersea Services who have expanded our underwater recovery capability. They're run by former Navy divers, and they bring some incredible underwater dive capability, specifically when um, it comes to salvage requirements. And we're not salvaging aircraft, but we're moving around big chunks of metal underwater, and you need to make sure you have the experts that have the capability to do that safely. And John Marsak and Nick um, over at, at Legion Undersea Services do that very well and have a, really set us as a standard for underwater recovery. Um, but as you said, we wouldn't be able to do this work without collaborating with the host nations. We wouldn't be able to do it without their permission. And so we work very closely with the nation. Uh, we work within. We wouldn't be able to accomplish this mission without their, their support. Um, there are some countries that we haven't been able to go into just because of geopolitical um, realities, but the nations that we do go into, it very much becomes their mission. Um, they see a values overlap uh, once they realize that we're not searching for gold or other things like that. Uh, when, when they realize that we're trying to find people and return them to their families and their home, um, it, very become, it very much becomes something that they can buy into and, and their mission as well. And so they're very supportive, and, and we wouldn't be able to do it without them. Yeah, what a great organization. I, I just, uh, just tremendous. i tell you what, we're going to get to our first break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about underwater recovery and some of the challenges with that. We're visiting with Derek Abbey. He is the president and CEO of Project Recover which is on a quest to find and repatriate Americans missing in action as we recognize our veterans here on Veterans Day. Stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. 
Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan as we celebrate Veterans Day and recognize all those that have served this country. Thank you for your service. Uh, if you're listening today and you served our our great country, we're visiting this morning with Derek Abbey. He is the president and the CEO of Project Recover, just a tremendous organization in a quest to find and repatriate Americans missing in action. And Derek, many that are missing in action are suspected to have drowned either when their plane went down, their ship was hit, something like that. And you mentioned the challenge of moving big pieces of equipment underwater. What are the challenges? Talk a little bit more about the challenges in underwater searches. Well, as you, as you can imagine, you, you have to be able to breathe. So um, you're, you're yeah. working in an underwater environment, and so um, you're using a variety of dive technologies to allow you to work um, in that environment. And so um, depending on the depth uh, of the site, you know, um, we have a only a limited amount of time uh, for the air that we have that we can use um, at, at various depths. And, of course, the, the deeper that we go, um, the less amount of time that we have. And of course, as you spend time underwater, um, for those that are familiar with, with diving, um, over a certain amount of time, you have to decompress with, with all of those gases going into your system. And so um, even though you might spend 20 minutes uh, on the ocean floor working on one of these sites, um, that could result, depending on the depth, you know, in an hour of decompression coming up. So, so uh, just, it just takes a lot of time, and that's the, that's the, the first thing. Um, the other thing is, is, yeah, you're working underwater, so the, the visibility and things uh, on these sites can be very poor, um, especially as you start working and kind of um, kicking up sediment and things like that. So that adds another challenge. Um, but, but our team is, is absolutely incredible, and they, and they approach this um, like they would on an archaeological site on land. Um, it just happens to be underwater. And so just like you would grid out a, a, a site on land, uh, they'll grid out the site underwater. Um, and then start moving through each and every one of those grids meticulously. And we're bringing up sediment from the ocean floor, and we'll do that using a dredge system. So they'll take all the material within one uh, square, and that square could be a meter by a meter or two meters by two meters or something like that. Um, and then we'll bring all of that material up to the surface and run it all through by hand um, through a quarter-inch screening material. Uh, to look for and find any type of human remains, of course, that could be located within the site, um, but then any artifacts that could assist with the identification. And you could; those are things that are sometimes obvious and sometimes things that are not as obvious, like dog tags or watches or rings, things like that. But it could also be life-saving gear um, that the person might have been wearing um, in the area that they were on the on the aircraft, if it's an aircraft. Um, but it is an aircraft, so you're working around um, very jagged aluminum and other metals to try and find those that are still missing. So um, those that are working on the ocean floor often have to cut through um, this material or move this very, very heavy material. And so we need nothing but the experts that can do this mission safely on the ocean floor. Um, and for the most part, we're using um, surface supply 
uh, gases. So they'll have a hose and a hard hat on the on the ocean floor that allows them to make sure that all the appropriate gases are provided to them. A, a safety team um, on the barge to ensure that they're they're going about their business as safe as possible. And in the event that something happens, um, we can address it immediately. Uh, but it's a very very complex mission working working underwater, and it only continues to get more and more complex the deeper we go. Yeah, that that really sounds incredible. Just hearing all those facets. How, how, like when you look at everything that Project Recover does, what, what, how common is land types of missions versus water missions? I mean, is it a is it a pretty balanced thing? Is it overwhelmingly water? Can you give us an idea there? Well, um, for us, we do more missions on the water than we do on land today. And part of that is just the expertise that we bring uh, to this mission. Our ability to search uh, the water is, is very high and to work in the underwater environment. Um, we're, we're very good at it. And so um, as technology has advanced, that's opened up more areas for us to work underwater and potentially discover and more sites and bring more, more people home. And so we do do both missions, but today we, we do more work in the underwater environment and I'd say we're probably doing uh, maybe 70% on the water or in the water and uh, 30% on land. And, of course, that can flex at, at any time as, as more missions uh, present themselves. But um, we're doing more and more work underwater. And believe it or not, it's a little bit counterintuitive, but the technologies that we're using in the underwater environment are advancing far more rapidly um, than the technologies that we're, we're developing on land. So even today in some of the thick jungles that we work in, <clears throat> some of the mangrove jungles and things like that, the highest technology that we're using is the boots on our feet, machetes on our hand or in our hands, and a compass in our hand. Um, many times the the uh, GPS technology doesn't work, and we've tried a variety of drone technologies that we still need to advance a little bit further to to really assist us in in this mission. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It t- it completely makes sense to me that you bring a particular expertise with water missions. And yeah. so, you know, that's where you end up focusing a lot of time. That that completely makes sense. Derek, 16 million Americans served in the armed forces during World War II, which was about one out of every eight people. And 400,000 Americans were killed in World War II, nearly 20% of whom were missing in action by the war's end. I think the World War II, as you mentioned, was kind of the genesis of Project Recover. Um, how many of your missions focus specifically on World War II? Well, when you break down that, that 81,000 plus that are still missing in action, um, 72,000 of them are from World War II. And wow. so the vast majority of our, our missions focus on World War II simply because of the numbers. Um, when you talk to the average citizen, most of them are aware of POWs and MIAs from uh, media and things like that. And so they immediately think that the majority of our missing are from uh, Southeast Asia, Vietnam conflict, um, because of all the the work that has gone into locating and returning those service members. But the breakdown of numbers today is 72,000 from World War II, about 7,000 from Korea. Now, because of the incredible work that has happened in and around Vietnam, there's less than 1,600 uh, from that conflict that are still missing, um, and then a handful of others coming up to current current times, up to Desert Storm. We've done World War II work, Vietnam work, Desert Storm, as well as training losses off of our coasts and in our mountains and Great Lakes. 
um, which are not always designated as missing in action, but uh, obviously just as missing to their families. But the uh, vast majority agree. of our work, yeah, the vast majority of our work has been on uh, focused on World War II, and that's simply because of the sheer numbers. Um, yeah, science and evidence drive our work, and so the information that we have available that points us to uh, finding some somebody is is the information that we're going to use. And so if that's Vietnam or World War II or Korea, um, we're just going to go after the people that we think we can get um, at the quickest. Yeah, that's kind of alarming about the numbers because from what you see in the media, as you said, it, you know, you wouldn't think that it's overwhelmingly that that large of the percentages from uh, World War II. Derek, how do you determine where to search or how information gathered leads to a good search location? Yeah, we have a full-time historian, Dr. Colin Colburn, that is proactively always developing cases uh, related to the missing. So he's combing the archives, um, interviewing people, taking information that's provided by families and much, much more. And he develops cases, which we keep in, in a database. And Today we have about 700 cases associated with more than 3,000 missing Americans, and that's actionable information. That's not cases where, you know, they were last seen heading west over the Pacific, which just isn't enough information for us to um, hone down a search area or something like that, but pretty good information that we can take action on. And, and we'll assess those cases on a regular basis and prioritize those based on highest likelihood of success, and meaning we have, uh, of course, resources available, we have access to the area, um, and we have the capability to work in that area, enough information to narrow it down to a quality search area that we think we can have success. So that's how we prioritize our missions. But then we do something else where we look in areas where there have been a number of losses, and we do what we call campaigning, meaning we can go to that location and not only work on one mission, but work on multiple missions. And because we're a nonprofit charity, we really have to maximize our resources and it takes a lot for us to get to some of these austere areas. So we want to do as much as we can when we do that. So places like Palau, where we've worked a lot, and there's a number of missing, or Chuuk, Italy, Denmark, Germany, uh, places like that. And not only does it allow us to work on multiple cases, but as we go back to these countries more and more, we develop a rapport with them that allows us to more easily uh, and efficiently work in these places. And like I said earlier, it very much becomes their mission and they help us with it. And so we'll do the campaigning. Um, and then lastly, we're an official partner of the Department of Defense. And so they will also come to us and ask us to do missions on their behalf. And that could be anything across the entire mission state uh, set. Typically, it's focused on one piece of that mission, um, but we'll also do that in partnership with the Department of Defense. We're visiting with Derek Abbey this morning. He is the president and CEO of Project Recover, a tremendous charitable organization uh, that helps find missing in action from, uh, and, and as you said, overwhelming percentage from World War II. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit, Derek, about some missions that have really stood out in your mind. Okay. And we'll talk more about the mission and the funding of Project Recovery. So stay with us. This is more Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. 
You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. You can catch all of our podcasts. You can go online to broganfinancial.com and click on radio, or uh, you can go to uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can type in More Living with Jim Brogan. You'll pull it right up. We will have this show podcast on our website Tuesday afternoon. So if you've missed part of this as we celebrate Veterans Day and recognize all our veterans and visit with Project Recover, a tremendous charitable organization, uh, you can catch that. Again, we'll have it up on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Derek Abbey is the CEO and the president of Project Recover. And I do want to mention real quickly, uh, Derek, before we get too much into some other things, um, Project, I, I talk a good bit on this show about charitable giving. Yeah. And, you know, the power of giving in our financial plan. I also talk about identifying healthy charities to give to. You know, we want to give to organizations that we're passionate about, most certainly, and also that are responsible with our money. A lot of the money goes to help the people that they're trying to serve, you know, that they are fiscally responsible and they're transparent. And I do want to mention Project Recover through Charity Navigator, uh, which is an excellent third-party uh, source for analyzing charities and their fiscal responsibility and transparencies, they get a 96% score. It gives them the highest rating with Charity Navigator, which is four stars. Typically, if you get up around 85% or better, you're four star. They're 96, which is as good as almost any. So I just do want to mention that, that, that all, in, in addition to just having a tremendous mission uh, they are also fiscally responsible and transparent. Um, Derek, how can people find out more about Project Recover? Uh, the best way is to go to our website, projectrecover.org, um, and they could probably find out far more than they ever wanted to. We have stories about missions, people <clears throat> that we've located, families that we've served, of course, our team. Um, and on that website, of course, they can support our mission. Um, we we really look at three ways that we try to drive people to to the website, and uh, the first one, of course, is we are a charity, so we rely on the the generosity of our our public to to support this mission, and we we work to be as responsible as possible with with the treasure that they provide us, um, and so of course they can make a donation there. But we also want to hear from families if there's a missing loved one in your family, um, please reach out to us. We will respond um, if we have any information related to that. Uh, person will share that with you. But of course, we want information that uh, these families might have that could help us drive our mission forward. And of course, we're a volunteer-based organization. So you, if you have a skill set that can contribute to this mission and it aligns with your values, uh, we also want to hear, hear from you and see if you could help us advance this mission further. But all of that is at projectrecover.org. Um, of course, if you forget that and you just search Project Recover in Google, uh, that'll also take us take you to our website, and we're on the social media platforms as well, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Yeah, and I do want to mention the, the giving our talents and our passions because when we talk about the power of giving, it's not just about financial. We in many ways get as much or if not more um, 
you know, when we give our time and our and, and, and invest ourselves in those things. So just a tremendous organization. Uh, I want to focus a little bit, Derek, on the effect of, on the families of these soldiers that are MIA. Um, talk a little bit about the importance of the recovery in the healing process of military families. Yes, there's a there's a couple of levels to that. The first one is is the promise that we make to these individuals and the, and their families. You know, when somebody dons the cloth of the nation of our nation and swears an oath to our constitution, we as a collective make a promise to that individual and their family that we'll do everything that we can to bring them home should they fall uh, in combat. And the the United States has held on to that promise since the Spanish American War, um, and it's it's a unique thing in America. And that promise does not have an expiration date. And when somebody is missing, um, it's different than when somebody is killed in action or when we lose a loved one that dies. Um, most of us have ex- experienced losing somebody that we care for, um, and, uh, and that is tragic. And, but we go through certain ceremonies and um, a lot of things unconsciously when when somebody passes away, specifically um, we have a funeral for them or ceremony around them to acknowledge their passing, but then we do role changing within our family. Um, and, and we do it just without talking about it. It's just that person is not there. Everybody knows that. So how do we cover down to make sure that we move together as a family uh, forward and into the future? But when somebody goes missing, uh, those families hold on to hope that, that they didn't get killed, that somehow they're going to return and that ceremony is missing, um, and that role changing doesn't occur. And so that void is there uh, with that family, um, and it spans across generation. And it's coined um, in academic circles as uh, ambiguous loss, and we have experienced that over and over and over again. So many times people come up to us and, you know, they're like, well, somebody's been missing for for 80 years, and some of these family members don't have anybody around anymore that ever knew them firsthand do they still care? And the answer 100% is yes, they do care. And that promise that we made to that family does not have an expiration date. Um, and we've seen it over and over when somebody is repatriated, how this healing occurs within that family, and then how the community around them really embraces them uh, to heal as a greater community and a nation. Um, so this impact happens from the individual level all the way up to the national level. Um, and it is very, very important you know, of that 81,000 plus that are that are missing in action, we calculate that there's as many as 5 million Gold Star MIA families across this nation that are waiting for answers, and they've waited too long. And so we're going to do everything that we can to provide those answers and some sort of closure and healing to those families because they deserve it. Wow. Um, Derek, is there a particular MIA recovery that left a huge imprint on your life? Well, um, when I when I first met Pat and he invited me to be in this organization, um, it, it, I just I couldn't resist. I wanted to do the mission. I was an active duty Marine at the time, and I was uh, deploying quite a bit. So it took me a little while to go on my very first mission. But I came back from a deployment to the Middle East. I, I unpacked my sea bag, I packed my suitcase, and I headed off to Palau to join the team on my very very first mission. And we were searching the jungles of Palau and the waters of Palau and and we had an MIA discovery that year on my very first mission. Um, it was in very, very dense mangrove jungle. 
Um, but the unique thing about this uh, discovery was this MIA was a member of my squadron from World War II. And, um, you know, we talked about I was in the Marine Corps, and, and the Marine Corps is um, very proud of our history, and, and we like to connect across time. Um, and of course, so do all the other services. But um, it was so special for me to find this this Marine from from my uh, from my squadron, even though we were 60 years removed from each other in our service in the military. Um, at that point, I, I was just hooked. Um, I, you know, I was overcome with emotion and and impact and, and wanted to continue to do that. And that was really what drove me and has driven me uh, through my service within Project Recover. You know, I grew within the organization, became a team leader, as you mentioned earlier, a board member, and then now president and CEO. And if you would ask me 20 years ago if I could have fathomed such a thing, um, there's no way I could have. Um, but that's a really, really special one for me. You know, every single one of these cases is, is special and no MIA is uh, worth more than another. Uh, but they all have very unique and amazing stories, each and every one of them. Um, one of the ones that's public right now um, is the crew of the Heaven Can Wait uh, B-24. Prior to COVID, um, we did a mission in Papua New Guinea and located this B-24 um, and their crew. And then COVID interrupted the efforts to to conduct the recovery on, on this site. And it's very deep. It's a very, very complicated mission. Um, but the United States Navy just executed a recovery earlier this year on that site, and, and it's unique because um, they used their experimental dive unit to, to execute the recovery. And, and this is a, another unique way of d- doing dive operations. They, they lived on the ocean floor um, and, and executed this mission. So as I mentioned earlier, the decompression part of diving is where we spend a lot of time. But these sailors live on the ocean floor, so they're not going up and down, and they can really maximize um, their time on, on a mission on the ocean floor, and they can spend a lot of time down there. So they executed that recovery successfully. Um, there's a lot of identifications going on right now. They were public about it. That's why I can talk about it, even though it's an, an open case. Um, and we're very proud of that because of a couple things. Of course, recovering these MIAs, but it's the deepest underwater MIA recovery to date, um, and it was a test bed that we could execute this mission using saturation diving. And we have many more cases that we're excited for the Navy to, to work on um, and get more of these guys home. Derek, can you speak about any other uh, recovery missions that are currently underway? Yes. I mean, we have a number of missions that are that are ongoing. I can't talk about the details just because they're confidential. And the big thing that sure. we do with that is um, we don't want to create any false hope with families. They've already given so much and sacrificed so much, we would never want to cause them any additional pain. Um, And so we don't talk about names or anything like that, but um, we did just uh, conduct another recovery in in very, very deep water. It was the deepest recovery for us um, organically that we did in in the Marshall Islands. And it was uh, pretty difficult because one, just getting there and working there was difficult because the area that we were working in is controlled by the United States Army. Um, and then you added the complexity of a very austere in- environment and a very, very deep case. And there was one MIA on a very uh, large uh, aircraft, a Coronado aircraft on the ocean floor. But the team worked incredibly hard to accomplish this mission um, at more than 170 feet of water. Um, and on the very, very last day, they, they were finally able to locate him. And so get him back mm-hmm. to the United States. And now he's going through the identification process. 
Um, that's another one that we're we're really excited about. Um, <clears throat> boy, there's just so many. I can't think of any more specific cases right now. But yeah, no, that's it. Those are incredible stories and uh, incredible realities. Um, you, you know, Derek, in 2021, there was a documentary release called "To What Remains." And it focuses on project recovery. Uh, tell us a little bit about the documentary and where people can go to watch it. Yeah, the documentary is something that we're very, very proud of. Um, it highlights the work of Project Recover, but believe it or not, that's not the thing that we're most proud of. The thing that they did a beautiful job um, in creating this film is they, they really were able to capture and highlight the impact that this work has on families and communities across the nation. And Imperative Entertainment, who made the film, uh, spent six years making it, and for a Hollywood studio to work on a film like this, that you know, it's not going to blow the doors off and bring millions of dollars into the studios. Um, but they just thought it was so important to to capture the story, and they did a beautiful job uh, in doing so. And and the film can be found in your favorite streaming platforms, whether that's Amazon Prime, uh, Google Play, Apple TV, um, YouTube. Uh, not on Netflix, but it's on all those platforms and if you can't find it you can always go to projectrecover.org and there's links there to take you to to the film but people can find it um, on, on those platforms and I really encourage them to do so it's 81 minutes long so it's a full-length uh, documentary but they did an absolutely beautiful job in telling the story and again the name of that is to what remains correct correct yes sir yeah that's that's awesome um, quickly Derek as, as we kind of come to a close um, you mentioned the the you know it's a charitable organization. Um, you're very well respected in the charitable circles. You're very efficient with money. You're 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 transparent with your financials. Um, is is Project Recover completely privately funded? Are there is there any support by military funding? So we are a, a partner of the Department of Defense. Um, so we, we do get contracted from them from time to time, but those resources are put towards a specific mission. Um, and gotcha. that's not a good uh, stable financial plan of running your organization to <laughs> count, on, count on that. But we are a proud partner of uh, the Department of Defense, so we do get some resources from them. Uh, but when those do come in, they are for a specific mission, so it's not for the advancement of the organization. So. We, we do rely heavily on the charity of the public, and that's through individual philanthropy and corporate philanthropy and grants and things like that um, that we work very hard to attain, and we're working to scale our mission now. We do 10 to 14 missions a year right now, uh, but we tested our model um, during COVID and out, coming out of COVID to see how we could scale it, and we've created a model that I'm confident that we can scale further, and our goal now is to grow to executing as many as 30 missions a year uh, around the world. And of course, all that is going to be uh, resource dependent. So um, if, if people want to support our, our organization and it aligns with their values, we, we welcome that and encourage that. And we'll do everything that we can to use those uh, treasured resources appropriately. And that is projectrecover.org. Tell us a little bit more, um, again, Derek, of the resources that are available there to find out more about this charity. So if you go to projectrecover.org, um, of course, you can <clears throat> see some of our annual reports there. You can read all sorts of stories related to um, the missions that we execute, the, the service members that we locate and repatriate, and, of course, the families uh, that are impacted by the, this work and the members that are, that are executing this. 
Um, you can go there. Of course, you can donate to support the cause. But as I said earlier, we want to hear from families that have MIAs, and we want to hear any information that they have. Of course, if we have any information related to their loved one, we will share that with them. Uh, but then we also want to hear from people that have the capability of donating their time and expertise to advance this mission. We're a volunteer-based organization, um, so they can express their interest to join, and, and that will start the application process. And uh, I, every member that's gone through and become a member of this organization uh, very much values it. Um, I, my personal story, I was in fighter squadrons, I was in team rooms, and this is the team I'm very much the most proud of being a part of. It's absolutely incredible every time I look around and see the people that contribute their time, energy, and treasure to this mission. I'm absolutely amazed by them, and we want to hear from more people like that to, to advance this mission. So projectrecover.org to donate or to share information about a missing loved one or, of course, uh, volunteer yourself. Well, Derek, thank you for your service, uh, both in the Marine Corps and uh, the tremendous work with Project Recover. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm sure you've got a busy weekend, but thank you so much for bringing us up to date on all the great things going on with Project Recover. Uh, thank you, Jim, for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, and, and it is Veterans Day, and so I, I want to express my gratitude to those that have donned the cloth of this nation. Um, I wake up every single morning um, incredibly grateful for all that I have because of the freedom that I live under and those that have provided for it. And so today is a day that I want to acknowledge it, but it's not the only day. We acknowledge it every day through our actions. And so for those of you that have served and those families that have served alongside them, uh, I express my heartfelt gratitude. That's Derek Abbey. He is the president and CEO of Project Recover. Again, you can go to projectrecover.org. When we come back, we'll have our dollars and cents segment. Stay with us here on More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Welcome back. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Many thanks again to our guest today, Derek Abbey from Project Recovery. Or, or excuse me, Project Recover. There's no why at the end of that. ProjectRecover.org. What a great organization. Uh, and again, many thanks to all of you who have served this country as we recognize you on Veterans Day. It is time now for Dollars and Cents. Want to be sure you are getting the most out of your retirement? For all the years of your retirement? That's the primary goal of More Living with Jim Brogan and our Dollars and Cents segment, where we provide you with an important financial tip that will help positively impact the quality of your life in retirement. And now, here's Jim with this week's Dollars and Cents tip. Common mistakes to avoid when downsizing your home in retirement. We're seeing a lot more of this, especially with the escalation in real estate prices. Many people are wanting to downsize and take advantage of higher prices, but that also means you have to find a new place to live, of course. A couple of just common mistakes that we see. One is overestimating what your home is worth. You know, there's the old saying, nobody thinks their home is more valuable than the person that's selling it. So do thorough research. Use great online real estate resources. Hire a great professional. 
in the real estate industry uh, to get the most accurate estimate. Number two, estimating what a new home will cost. Sometimes that sounds better than it, you know, it, 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 we think we might get a better deal than we, than, than we actually can. So again, doing the research using local data to find the best possible idea of the total cost of your prospective new home. And then number three, uh, ignoring the tax implication. And this is more and more important uh, with the escalation in home values while the IRS does let us exclude the first 250,000 in long-term gains if we're a single filer or 500,000 if we're a joint filer, it's still a big issue. Thank you for tuning in this week. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you to all of you that have served us in this great country. Uh, thank you to Richie for engineering the show. Thank you to Jill for helping produce the show. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Have a very blessed weekend. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.